we are in for some fun tonight. You know, I have been meditating on a man called Caleb in the Bible. And uh, I started thinking, it's a story about an old man who said, give me that mountain. He reached 84 and he goes and says to Moses and says, Moses, give me that mountain. You know what I found? It was not about an old man. It was not about an old man, but there was something else in it. God is looking for a people who is like Caleb. God is looking for a people like Caleb. And tonight, tonight, I tell you, God is going to speak to you. And he's going to call you forth to take on that challenge which Caleb took. He's going to call you forth into your destiny because Caleb walked into his destiny. You know, you might not know this, but he inherited double measure. He inherited twice of what the others had inherited. The interesting thing is I started looking at what does Caleb mean? What's the meaning of that, that name? I was quite surprised. It means tenacious like a dog. Somebody who has a fight in him. And Caleb was a man who had a fight in him. I love people who have a grunt and a fight in them. Because when the devil comes knocking at your door, you have two choices. Either you run away or you make the devil run away. The first time Caleb is actually mentioned in the Bible is in Numbers 13. Numbers 13 verse 6. The funny thing is, Caleb was not on the top of the list. In there, you know, the people of Israel had been brought out by God. God had brought them out from Egypt. And he had been journeying with them in this desert place. He was teaching them that I'm a good God. I'm a God who has a destiny and a purpose for you. I had promised your grandfather that I'm going to take you into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And I'm a God who's capable of doing that. And so God had been journeying with this, with this, this bunch of people. The Bible says there were 600,000 men in that group. How many? 600,000, more than half a million. And this is just men. So my estimation is everybody put together was about 3 million people. That's almost 75% of our population. So this was the group that, that, that was going out. It was on a journey. And God was feeding them, nourishing them, and taking care of them. And he was motivating them as well. You know, while all this was happening, he reached a place where God was ready to tell them, okay, now, I have been promising your grandfather and your father and your fathers before that, I have been promising that this is the land that I'm going to give. Now what I want you to do is, I want you to go and possess it. There is a bunch of people, I tell you again, there's a bunch of people who will hear about the promise. It takes people like Caleb to take hold of the promise. There would be people who hear and see all the promises in the Bible, but it takes somebody with guts to say, hey, that belongs to me. That's my right. That's my right. And so God says, I want you to go and take possession of the land. Caleb, 
along with the rest of the people were sent out to have a look at that, that piece of land. Now, so you need to understand, these people have been journeying with God less than two years. By the time they had left Egypt, and by the time they had come to this place called Jordan, it had been less than two years. They had a massive encounter with God. That was almost in the second month of the second year. So, by the time they are coming to this place, it's less than two years. And so they have not been walking with God long enough. But they have been seeing massive miracles happen one after the other. So when we see Caleb for the first time, has he been a Christian for a long time? No. He has not been a Christian for a long time. All he had heard in the past was about a God who brought Abraham, who was, who was the God of Isaac and Jacob. But this God had forgotten about these people because they had all gone into slavery. They were no longer people of influence, but they were people, of, people in slavery. These were people who were subject to an atrocious leadership. This leadership that told the midwives, you kill the child if that's a male child that is being born. You know, God works everything for the good of those who love him. The population of the Jews, in a span of 400 years, grew from 70, grew from just 70 to about 3 million people. You go home and do the calculations. How many were born every year? I did some calculations. If I was to start, if my parents are starting and then I am born and I have a brother and then we have children as well and we go at an average of two, in 400 years, there would be about 120 of us. In spite of that atrocious leadership, God still continued to multiply that generation. Can you see the awesomeness of that God? And when is he doing this? When conditions are not conducive. Conditions are not conducive for his own people. They are being crushed every day. They work hard, they earn. Who takes it away? The devil takes it away. Conditions are atrocious, but God still works in their midst. But I doubt if people were able to see the hand of God. Because when you are going through trouble, you don't see it. You don't understand that to make you a massive generation, to make you a massive people, it needs multiplication, quick multiplication. And God was doing that. People couldn't see that. So for these people, here was a God who had forgotten about them. And then suddenly he turns up. He turns up through the man called Moses and Aaron. He turns up and he suddenly starts doing miracles. In a span of one year, it destroys the entire nation of Egypt. That used to be the power, the economic power of that world in that known time. It destroyed the entire economy of that nation. Imagine, you know, the, 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 the economy of Hawks Bay depends upon the, the, the orchards around. What would happen if suddenly there was a frost that kills all the orchards? The economy would go down. And then the cattle die. What will happen to the economy? It will be destroyed. In one year's time, God works through and it destroys the economy of the most powerful nation of the world. They see this miracle. And then, two years from then, they are ready to send out some guys 
to go and search into the land. How long have they been Christians? For two years. Does that look like you and me? Does that look like you and me? We don't have experience, but we have a God who doesn't need experience. He needs a person who would say yes and amen to what he's saying. He sent out 12 people to spy into the land. If they were given, they were given conditions what they need to check. They were told what they need to go and check into the land. They go and find that the, mil- the land was flowing with milk and honey. They brought the report back saying that land flows with milk and honey. But there is problems there. There is terrorism there. They brought back a report. Yes, that land flows with milk and honey. But it's not possible to get a job. There is terrorism there. There is problems there. They brought back a report like that. And that's the time when suddenly Caleb, who was a nobody, he becomes famous. That's the time. It started showing what was in his heart. All the 12 who were selected to cross over Jordan, they were all leaders. They had experience of managing people. They had skills and gifts around their life. But there were only two people who had the word of God in their heart. Caleb had the word of God in his heart. And he rose up and said, yes, there are giants in that land. But when we go in, we will possess that land. It takes the attitude of Caleb to possess what the promise is to you and me. I tell you, if you are going to, if you are going to fall down on your knees, the moment you see the giants, you are not going to occupy the land. God has been promising churches year after year. I will send you. I will give you people. I will take you into nations. What have you been doing? Have you been joining the other ten? Or have we the attitude and the spirit of Caleb? Let me tell you. A person may have all the skills in his life. He may have all the skills in his life. He may have all the gifting in his life. But when pressure comes, you know what is in him. What is he made up of? When the rubber meets the road, you know how good it is. They may have all the, all the trappings of a massive successful person. But success in God's eyes is not measured by what you have done. But it is measured by how much you trust his word. When pressure comes, do people fall on their knees and run to a bank? Do they fall on their knees and run to their mom and dad for help? Or do they go to God and say, God, you're the God who made the ravens feed Elijah. God, you're the God who made the sun stand and the moon stand where it is. Just because one man, Joshua, said, stand still. One of the reports those people gave was that the land will devour us. The land is good, but it will devour us. Now, do you know what that means? Here was a God for 400 years. He has been saying that land is good. That land is good. That land is good. And suddenly these 10 people come and say that land will devour us. What are they saying? That God has been lying all these 400 years. 
you know we won't do that do, would we would we do that no i have been in that place i have been in that place and i've done it the thing about caleb was he said i speak based on my conviction i speak based on my conviction now you need to understand these are leaders but caleb was the only one who said that i speak according to my conviction not based on what i see he did not say i don't th- i think that we will conquer it based on what i see we will conquer it based on the numbers that we have but he said i said it out of my conviction because that's what he believed in his heart he knew in the depth of his heart that i serve an awesome god and he's going to give me miracles he's going to give me a victory in this place you need to understand one of the things that the devil would do is he will take you to a place he will take you a place to a place where you will doubt what god has said about you, about himself it it started right in the garden of eden in right in the garden of eden god said i have made everything beautiful i make you responsible for this garden all you need to do is take care of it all you need to do is take care of it and in comes devil in comes satan and what did he do he put an aspersion of god's capacity to provide for them for for him for her, for them he said oh really did god say like that oh i think he must be jealous he thinks that you are going to become god so what was he doing satan was saying i think god does not have the your best in his heart that's exactly what these 10 people were saying for 400 years god did not have your best in his heart 400 years he has been telling us generation after generation that is going to bless us and then suddenly these people are rising up and saying do you think satan has been whispering in their ears as well do you think so even in your and my day to day life i can guarantee satan will use the same weapon he will he will take your eyes off jesus he will take your eyes off his goodness and he would take you to a place of doubt you know when you and i doubt what are we saying god has been lying he has been telling us that his grace is sufficient for us his grace is sufficient for us but he has been lying he is not capable to do that it's interesting the way caleb addressed what these people were saying you know when these people started saying this land is going to devour us caleb comes and says no 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 it's not going to be like that they are going to fall to us because the ones behind them have gone that's an interesting statement for somebody who has walked with the lord for just 2 years 
what was he saying the powers that held these people in the in the land that we want to take over have already fled because they can see the glory of the lord coming they have the, the spirits that were behind these people have seen that the glory of god is coming it doesn't matter how long you have been walking with god god can open your eyes just like that and you can see the spirits flee caleb was a young man in the lord but he could see what was happening in the spirit realm there's another story in the bible elisha you know the the enemy king had attacked their nation when his servant went out that na- that morning he saw they were surrounded by the army he comes back into the house and says master master we are surrounded by an army and elisha goes yeah so what and gehazi says no no you are not understanding there are chariots and chariots out there elisha says okay come here he prays for him his eyes are open and he says those with us are more than those who are against us are you in a situation let me ask you tonight are you in a situation where it looks like the enemy has come with chariots against you is the enemy mocking you 40 days and nights goliath stood on that mountain and mocked the people of israel it was not one day not two days but 40 days he he came and mocked them it just took a little boy to come and say hey he's mocking my god he's not mocking you but he's mocking our god next time satan comes knocking at your door look him in the eye and say you're not going to mock me anymore you're not going to mock my god that is serve how will he come and knock at your door let me tell me let me tell you it could be in the form of an argument it could be in the form of drugs it could be in the form of alcohol his nature has not changed it comes in new packages i tell you it could be on the internet it could be in the books that you read and when he comes knocking at your door like that you have a right to say that i serve a god i serve an awesome god who will not allow this you can choose what atmosphere you create in your homes you can choose what atmosphere you carry you can choose that you know i don't come from a background where there was lot of holy ghost things i come from a background where holy ghost was just mentioned in, once in the in the whole service and when i came to know him i fell in love with him i just absolutely fell in love with him and i decided i'm going to cultivate an atmosphere where holy ghost is welcome all the time i'm going to cultivate an atmosphere around in and in my house where jesus is welcome all the time you can cultivate an atmosphere and you can carry that atmosphere with you all the time you don't have to just come to church to get that atmosphere i tell you you can carry that atmosphere where you go and not only can you carry it you can impart it into the place that you go cultivate that atmosphere the choice is yours caleb was a young man let me tell you 40 at that time was a young age i tell you this 
because Moses lived to be 120. So he was just a teenager. At the age of 40, he was just a teenager. He should have been down at the pub probably. But he did not do that. He wanted to, to cultivate the atmosphere of God around his life. He didn't come into agreement with what the rest of them were saying. You know, when these people heard the negative report that the ten had brought, what did they do? They started murmuring. They wanted to stone Moses and Aaron. There were some other anointed people in that house that died. Because just a couple of months ago, God had anointed 70 leaders. None of them turned up to, to defend Moses or Aaron. There was nobody who turned up. Just two young boys, Caleb and Joshua. They turned up and said, no, don't do that. God has promised he will give us the land. It takes courage to say no. When there is a crowd that is standing against you and telling you it's okay. It's okay to sin. It's okay to be like this. It is okay to be like that. It's very easy. It's very, very easy. Time and time again I was told, you are crazy. You know why? Because I was different. So I found people who were different like me. I would hang out with people who were different like me. What did Caleb do? He hung around people like Joshua who were different like him. He did not hang around with the ten. He hung around with that one man who had the same calling on his life. You don't need to hang around people who don't talk the same faith that you have. Who don't see the same gospel that you preach. Who don't see salvation that is necessary. You don't have to hang around people like that. You need to hang around people who move in faith. Who see the mighty miracles of God. Who love the kingdom of God. You and I have been born for this time so that we can make a difference. I tell you, it's not about color. It's not about religion. It's not about anything. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of God because he gave up his only son. So that salvation would come to mankind. He's not bothered. He's not bothered who goes where. You know, he's, he's funny. He has a sense of humor. He chooses to bring me and, save Dave, and send Dave to Pakistan. I tell you, he has a sense of humor. He finds a black man, uh, you know, an African brother in, in, in Nigeria. And he takes him into, into Uzbekistan, I think. This man goes there. He starts a church. And you know, today he's under house arrest because he preaches about another king. Out of his church have come 7,000. Let me repeat that. 7,000 businesses which can fund the election of that nation. His name is Sunday Elijah. Imagine that. He picks up somebody from Nigeria. Takes, it, takes him into the place where the Russians had ruled for years and years and years. There was no more God left in that nation. So he brought out a man of God. He started a church in that place. The elections in that nation was rigged. 
Sunday Elijah started a movement which changed the result. People came behind him. Re-elections were done. And a proper government was elected. But the same government that he helped to elect has put him under house arrest because he preaches about another king. We are called to be nation shapers. We are called. We are called so that we may shift the economies of the nation. See, he is not an economist. He is not a financial wizard. He is just, God, he understands he is a wizard about God's word. Ask, tell me, was Joseph a financial wizard? His previous experience was managing the business of Potiphar. That's all that he did. But when he had a word from God, what did he do? He made, he changed the economy of the world. Not only Egypt, but the entire world. He was not a financial wizard. All he knew was to draw from God. Who is a financial wizard? You and I can change things that, that looks impossible. There is a different currency under which we operate. Let me tell you, it is not about anointing alone. It's about what you decide in your heart. It's what you decide in your heart. With what will you do with the anointing? I've seen people, you know, when I came to know the Lord, there was nobody who could teach me about the Holy Spirit. And then I came across this 70-year-old auntie. And she started talking to me about the Holy Spirit. She was not qualified. She, she, she did not have any background. But she started talking to me about the Holy Spirit. And I was interested in that. I served under her for many years. She was not eloquent. I tell you, she was not eloquent. But she had a heart for God. God used her mightily. And I've seen other people who are qualified, who have everything together, and they have the same anointing, but they do nothing with that anointing. They sit at home on it, and they sit on it, and they sit on it, and then they die. What you decide in your heart to do with the anointing is more important. God is a good God. He said, I ask and you shall receive. Nor can you shall, you, it shall be opened unto you. He says, I will give you the same Holy Spirit that I've given to somebody else. But what you do with him is what will, what will, what will decide what, how far you will go. When I was chasing God, people, you know, my friends, they all got ahead of me. They all got ahead of me. They were married, they had houses, they had cars. And I was still, I was still traveling in a bus. And I did not know where the, the next day's ticket money was going to come. The good thing was I was with my parents and they, they could provide me that. But I knew that Holy Ghost is awesome. A couple of years later, I bought a scooter and I prayed over it. I said, Lord, every time there is something that, that needs to be done for you, I'll use it. One tank of petrol in the scooter lasted me a month. He doesn't need ravens to feed you. He just needs you to reach out and say, God, touch this thing.
If any of my machines die or they stop working, I don't throw them away. You know what I do? I pray over it because it is the result of my sweat. I worked hard to buy it. I don't throw it away. I pray over it till it comes alive. And not only do I do that, I teach others to do the same thing. You know, in our prayer meeting, people used to come and I used to share my stories and they would go home and do the same thing in their house. P person after person would experience the same miracle because I serve the same God that they serve. When was the last time you trusted God to give you a breakthrough? When was the last time you trusted God to give you a dollar? Jesse and I, we had gone to the Bible school and God spoke to me and said, put all your money into the offering. I will provide for you. I got a big headache. <laughs> because I knew I was crazy, but I had not reached that limit yet. And I said, God, you need to speak to Jesse about it. I finished praying and Jesse turns around to me and says, put all the money that you have brought today. And so I explained to her what was happening. We both sat down. Now she also had a headache. <laughs> For the next 10 months, God provided supernaturally. You know how many days are there in 10 months? 300 days. We were in a land where nobody knew us. We were not allowed to share. We were in this Bible school. We were not allowed to tell anybody that we did not have a dollar in the pocket. Night after night, we would sit in our room and we would eat the bread that, that we would take out of the, of the supply for the orphanage. And we would eat it. And people who were sitting on the outside, they thought, these are professionals. They are, both, they are both highly qualified. Probably they don't want to share their food with us. They were quite right. We had nothing to share with them. But every day, every day, something new would come into the house. I tell you, this God of Elijah and Elisha and Caleb and, and Jacob is awesome. If you decide to trust him, he's awesome, I tell you. I'm not talking because I've read it in the Bible. I'm talking because I've experienced it. I've walked through it. I wanted to buy a house. I had no, no money to put towards a deposit. So I went to the bank and he says, sorry, I, I can't give you money because you don't have deposit. We came back home, we prayed. We went back to the same bank. Same person says, I'm happy to give you a loan. I got 99% mortgage. This is not in India, this is right here in New Zealand, in Hastings. He's still alive and kicking in Hastings, I tell you. You have a choice to decide whether you want to chase that God. Yes, give, give God a clap. What is the conviction in your heart? Are you totally convinced that he's a God who is worth serving? Are you totally convinced in your heart that he can provide for you? You know, in these 10 months that we were in the Bible school, we traveled to six nations. How many dollars did I have in my pocket? None.
You want to go to a mission trip? You take it before God. And as you start working hard, you, you, you partner with Him. He will provide. He will provide. You don't need to go for a mission trip. There is a mission field right out here. I'm going to come to that soon. You know the thing about Caleb? He had friends. He had a mom and a dad. He had brothers and sisters. He had friends. Other people with whom he grew up. And they were part of the six, 600,000 men. And another 600,000 women. That's my just estimate. So I'm talking about 1.2 million people who grew up with him. And their dad died in the next 40 years. What happened to them? They died in the next 40 years. I did a rough calculation. Because God said, anybody who was older than 20 is going to die. I did a rough calculation, so that would be between two and a half to three million people who will die like that. If they were to die over a period of 40 years, 30,000 people have to die every year. 83 people have to die every day. So what's happening around Caleb and Joshua? They're all dying. What do you think kept them alive? Their constant pursuit of God. For 40 years, he had that burning desire. God, you have given me that land. I'm going to possess it. He had that burning desire in his heart, which kept him alive. See, the Bible says people perish because of lack of vision. What you see with your eyes is what you will occupy. When was the last time you saw something with your eyes? When was the last time you opened your eyes and saw something that God had in store for you? This young man, he had seen that place, he had seen that mountain. And for the next 40 years, he did not possess it. But every day in his heart, he will see that mountain. Every day in his heart, he will see them. He, he would see himself slaying those giants. Every day in his heart, he would see that. You know, 40 years is more than 12,000 days. Every day, every day, he would keep seeing that. He would keep seeing that. He would keep seeing that. If you don't see anything, you will be drawn into what, what God is not calling you into. If you want to stay focused on what God has called you, see it in your heart and possess it. Even before Caleb physically possessed that place <coughs> that was promised to him, what did he do? He possessed it in his heart. He possessed it in his heart. Every day he possessed it in his heart. Now, the question is, how do you and I do it? I'll give you a key. I read just the miracles in the Bible constantly. 
constantly, constantly, constantly. I just read the miracles in the Bible so that it becomes a part of my life. I can see, I can see the multiplication take place. I can see food being multiplied. I can see the ravens bringing the food. I can see the oil bowls overflowing. Night after night, day after day, I see just miracles. I see the healings all the time. I see, see the healing. I feel them in my heart. I feel them in my body. All the time I keep feeling these things. You know what it does to me? My inside is full of miracles. My inside is full of healing. So when I walk into the place, when I do something, what happens? It starts manifesting on the outside. So the Bible says, faith comes by hearing, hearing of the word of God. What is it saying? Let me give you an example. It's a great time to actually go to Mount Ruhape and ski down it, right? I want you to imagine, I want you to think of the, the acceleration and the thrill that you will feel if you are going down that mountain. You're skiing down that mountain. Can you feel the change coming in your body? You know why? Because our, our, our body has a capacity to grasp and, and emotions get attached to it. So when that word says that faith comes by hearing, what is it saying? That when you take hold of something, when you take hold of something and, you start, and when you start imagining it, your emotions and your will and everything gets entangled around it. That's how faith comes. Because now it's a reality for you. It is not something written in a book. You know what I love about, about Caleb? Now two of them had gone, they had done awesome things. Caleb and Joshua both had gone and, and God had done awesome things, things through them. But when they came back, they did not get the same position. Joshua became very close to Moses and he was constant companion of Moses. You don't hear about Caleb anymore. You don't hear about Caleb anymore. 40 years later, you hear about Caleb suddenly. To be precise, 44 years after that incident, you hear about Caleb. The Bible is silent about Caleb for the next 44 years. What was he doing? He was working in the vision of somebody else. All the time, all the time, in his heart he had that dream. In his heart he had seen what he was going to possess and occupy. But he served in another man's dream. And when his time came, he said, Joshua, can I have that mountain? I was promised that mountain. God is looking for a people who have the attitude of Caleb. We do not know anything about Caleb's background. But this I know, that Caleb was a slave. Before he came to this place where he became a warrior. Now this is what the Bible says. The day Israel walked out of Egypt, they came out armed for war. Slaves came out armed for war. So what is, it, what is the Bible saying? The entire generation came out armed for war. How many of them fought the battle? Just Caleb and Joshua. The others did not have the same vision that they had. 
Now you must be wondering, okay, Caleb was in that time. What about me today? What is my mountain? How do I take possession of the mountain that I have today? Do I have a mountain? See, God has changed his strategy now. He doesn't talk about land. He talks about people. Today the mountain is people. You must be wondering what's happening around you. Let me tell you, give you some, some statistics. In, 19, in the early part of 1990, when the census was taken, they asked the people, what is your religion? I'm talking about New Zealand. One in 30% said, I don't, I don't follow any God. When the, the census was taken last year, 30% of the people said, I do not follow God anymore. Do you know where your mountain is? It was one thirtieth. Now it is one third. A zero has fallen off. If this trend continues, we have lost this in the last 10 to 15 years. This is not my data. This is from the statistics New Zealand. We have lost people. One third of the people of New Zealand today say, I do not follow a God. Who has lost it? Would you take that as your mountain? Would you consider taking it as your mountain tonight? You know, we are called the suicide capital of New Zealand. Hawke's Bay is the suicide capital of New Zealand. It's a teenage pregnancy capital of New Zealand. There's a mountain out there. You don't have to go all the way anywhere else. You have a mountain out here. Would you respond to God calling you? He is looking for a people who is like Caleb. Who would see that mountain and say, God, give me that mountain. You don't have to wait till you are 84. Tonight you have a chance to say, yes, God. Yes, God, I will take that mountain. You know, we are the smoking capital of New Zealand. More teenagers smoke in Hawke's Bay than the national average. These figures are for us to look at. These figures are for us to look at because out there is a mountain. More teenagers are drug addicts in our place. This is the statistics of the police department. What it says, 451. In the last year, there were 451. Four, you know, I, I, let me put it in millions. Half a million, half a million cases were recorded by police. Half a million case. Do you have a mountain out there that you can take? It's not talking about broken marriages. It's not talking about abuse. Nothing. I'm not talking about those things yet. There's a mountain out there. And we have been like those, those 10 people. Like those 10 people not worried about it. We have been sitting on it. Let me tell you, if you decide in your heart, I want to be a Caleb, you don't need to go very far. Let, you know, 
in the schools when you go to school look around because if there is if there are 100 people sitting in there 10 of them will not live to be the age of 20 it's appalling You have a choice. You can partner with God. If that mountain is big enough for you, that's fine. I have a bigger mountain for you if you want. I can give you some world statistics. This morning, Pastor Dave was talking about reaching the 1040 window. You know, I cry over the 1040 window all the time because half of the world's population is in the 1040 window. Half of the world's 10th population is in the 1040 window. They are dying without Jesus. They are dying without a God who loves them. In that 1040 window, and it does not include South America. It does not include South America. It does not include New Zealand, Australia, or any of the European countries. You know, European countries are worse, worse than some of the heathen nations that I come from. There is more perversion in those nations than what you would find in what you call the third world country. It's not included in the 1040 window. Let me give you this last statistics before I finish. Of the total people who call themselves Christians in New Zealand, less than 2% call themselves Pentecostals. Less than 2% call themselves Pentecostal. What is it saying? It's saying less than 2% re really believe that Jesus Christ died for them. Less than 2% believe that really Jesus Christ died for them. So let me put it in perspective. Of the 100 people, 30 people have already said, I do not believe in a God. How many are left? Six, 70. Out of that 70, about 3 or 4% belong to other religions. So what is left is 65. And out of the 65, 2% people say that I am a Pentecostal or I have received Christ in my life. Would you like to take that mountain tonight? Would you want to partner with God tonight? The choice is yours. Caleb had to make that choice. I leave that choice to you tonight. We'll start the worship now. Just think, what will you do? What will you do with what God has given you? Will you want a mountain? Will you want a mountain? Would you consider partnering with God? Let me tell you, 800 million people of my nation do not know Christ. 800 million people. We as a nation, here are just 5 million people. There is a mountain to be taken. But only a Caleb can take that. Only a Caleb can take that.
only a caleb can take that if you have let me one i was let me ask you this question if you are in this place and you not, do not know jesus christ and if you would like to receive jesus christ as your personal savior come and talk to me i'm happy to talk to you about this god he's an awesome god i absolutely love him i'm excited about him i'm absolutely excited about him this is a good time for you to close your eyes and think am i available to take a mountain